0: So does anyone else feel like life is busier than ever? I can't be the only one. When you consider all the school things, all the work things, all the family things, there are, there are so many things. Maybe it's just like the month of May. The month of May is insane. At least it is in our house. You've got Mother's Day, and then we've got uh, our anniversary was last week. My wife's birthday is tomorrow. It is a very busy and very expensive month in the Popovitz house. And I know that you're feeling it as well. We're all feeling incredibly busy. If you happen to meet someone who's in like the busy seasons of life, like 30s, 40s, and they say to you that they are not busy, hold their hands, look them in the eyes, and say to them, teach me your ways. Because they must be magic. Make them king. Because the rest of us, the rest of us are crazy busy. Now, the good news is that if you fall into that category where life is just unsustainably packed with stuff for you, then then I'm going to give you permission today, wherever that's worth for you, permission today to, to say no to some things. In fact, I wouldn't frame it as saying no to some things. I would frame it as saying yes to better things. Today we are continuing, actually we're concluding a series we've been in for the last month or so called Simple, where we're looking at at Jesus' teaching where he tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. We're looking at Jesus' invitation to prioritize the work of God, uh, the love that flows to us through Jesus Christ and the love that Jesus wants to have flow through us to other people. And Jesus' teaching is itself very simple. He says as we prioritize the things of God, there's this freedom that emerges in our lives to to have a a simpler approach to everything else. Because now that you know what's most important, now that you know what matters most, you are free to let go of all the things that don't and to reprioritize your whole existence. And so we've taken Jesus' teaching and we've looked at the things that Jesus points at. Jesus talks about a simple approach to clothing and possessions and and the words that we say. And today we're going to look at the schedules that we keep. And the big idea is this. In Christ, because of Christ, you are free to simplify your pursuits. And the reason I use the word pursuit and not just schedule is because, look, our, our schedules are packed because there are a lot of things that we are chasing after. There's things that we're chasing after professionally. There are things we're chasing after uh, for our children. There are things we're chasing after for, for just our own personal benefit and well-being. You know, there are experiences we want to have so that we make sure we, we live the fullest life that we can. There's goals that we have professionally. There are, there are things we want uh, to, to make possible for our children. And so we're chasing after all of these things. But the problem is that life ends up being filled to the brim with a ton of obligations and indulgences, things that you feel like you have to do and things that you really want to do. And it gets so full that you then don't know what to do. But the good news is that you do not have to live that way. You are free in Jesus Christ to simplify or to prune your pursuits. You're free. Now, at this point, I need to remind you that the scriptures have warned us that we would do this to ourselves, that we would get all turned around trying to chase after different things, that we would, we would obligate ourselves to the point of, of near exhaustion or, or self-destruction. This is what Paul is getting after in much of the New Testament, believe it or not. Let's look again at some of his words. Let's look again at Galatians chapter 5, and then we're going to look at something we haven't read yet in Ephesians 5, again, both from Paul. Listen to this. Paul says, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't use the freedom you have in Christ to just indulge the urges of your sinful instincts. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You were given freedom so that you might focus on loving other people well. Your friends, your family, certainly, your Lord. And then in Ephesians 5. Look carefully then at how you walk or, or how you're living. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. In other words, you know what's most important. Your eyes have been opened. To what matters most. Live accordingly, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, Paul is writing to the early church, and he's trying to pull them out of this instinct that they have to obligate themselves to the Jewish law. They were really wrestling with what obligations had to stick as Christianity emerged. Did they still have to follow all the food laws, all the clothing laws, all the rituals that came out of Judaism? And there was a whole bunch of people that were saying, oh, you still need to do all the things in order to be a true believer. And so Paul is writing them, writing to them saying, you are not under these obligations anymore. You're free. You don't have to obligate yourself in order to be the person that God has called you to be, which is a person of love. Now, our struggle as the church in today's day and age is not with the the Old Testament Jewish law. Our struggle is with cultural and personal expectations. All the stuff that everybody out there says we should be all about and doing, and all the stuff that our own hearts tell us we should be all about and doing, which take on a certain religious intensity and zeal for us. We feel this immense pressure to perform like this in our jobs, to be this kind of parent, to be that kind of friend, to be this kind of volunteer, and so we pack our lives full as a result. But what happens is that we, we forget our true calling and we push away our freedom. God did not set you free in Jesus Christ to re-obligate yourself to a bunch of stuff in order to prove yourself And when we do re-obligate ourselves in the name of being the best agent at our firm or being the best mom of all the moms in the school or having the the most impressive kids of all the other kids on the baseball team, when we re-obligate ourselves like that, we lose sight of our true calling as people of faith, which is love, which is to have space in our life to love other people and our Lord well. All of that goes out the window. The first casualty of hurry and busyness is love. Now, you might say to yourself, Matt, but, but I don't know how that's the case. I mean, I know that I'm busy and I'm very obligated, but, but the reason I'm so obligated, the reason I am over-pursuing in all these different areas is because of love. It's because I love my kids that I've signed them up for all this stuff. It's because I love my family that I work so hard and try to bring more money home. It's because I love the Lord and I'm trying to make the best use of this one life that he's given me that I serve here and I'm trying to better myself with education there. It's because of love that I'm doing all these things. And I'll concede this. I'll, I'll concede that, that love is how we rationalize all of this. Love is how I rationalize it. But I think if we were really to get underneath the hood of what's going on here, that what we'd find is that our core motivation for many of us is not love, but our core motivation is fear. We over-obligate ourselves. We over-pursue in life because though we are perfectly loved by Jesus Christ, that perfect love has yet to drive out all the fear inside of us. And so there are fears like this that you and I carry. There is There is the fear of feeling things. You you might think that you have a really high emotional IQ, but the truth is like most of us don't. And there are certain things we don't like to think about, certain emotions we don't like to deal with, certain problems from our past that we don't want to reconcile ourselves to. There's a whole lot of things we don't want to feel. And so when we don't want to feel things, we do things we don't want to feel things, we do things because it distracts us. Because the more I'm distracted, the less I'm reflecting on all the stuff that's going on inside of me. And so one of the reasons we over-obligate ourselves is because we're afraid to feel things. Another reason we over-obligate ourselves and over-pursue in all these different areas is because we are afraid to fail. We're afraid to fail. we don't want to be the one unsuccessful sibling. We don't want to be the one with the unremarkable kids. And so we keep grinding away long into the night at our workplace and we sign our kids up for all this extra stuff because we're afraid of not being or doing enough. The other thing that motivates us in terms of fear is that we're afraid to disappoint people. We want to be a good person. We want to be a nice person. We want to be a good friend, a a helpful Member of the church, and so we say yes to a thousand things and we say no to nothing, and then the seed of bitterness gets planted that we carry into everything. One of the reasons we over obligate ourselves, the main reason, I would argue, is because of fear. Which which of those resonates the most with you? I'll go first. For me, it's fear of failure. I don't want to be the one who doesn't measure up, who doesn't have the highest score. Who doesn't win, and so I just keep doing. Now, if you find yourself caught up in this, adding thing after thing, obligation and indulgence after obligation after indulgence into your life, all these things you have to do and want to do, when you pile your life full of these things, motivated by fear, with love going out the window because there's no space left to love people well, what you can be sure of is that at that moment, you've lost sight of Jesus. Because that is the exact opposite kind of life that he's freed us to live. Let me put it like this. Do you know what the the best feeling in the world is? The best feeling in the world. Believe it or not, it's not the first first sip of coffee in the morning. It's not. It's not even like like a kiss from your kids or a hug from your spouse. You know what the best feeling in the world is? I'll tell you. You're going to agree with me. The best feeling in the world is canceled plans. When you went from having to do something to not having to do anything, best feeling in the world. And it could have even been something you were looking forward to. It could have been like you know a, a night out with the girls. It could have been some play date that you were looking forward to for your kids. It could have been some meeting at work, I don't know. But the second you get that text that's like, hey, bummer, we're not gonna be able to do it. And then you respond with, Ugh, I was so looking forward to it. Let's make it happen soon. Heart emoji, heart emoji, rainbow. The truth is, you are dancing around the living room and pouring yourself a glass of wine. That's how this works. Because the best feeling in the world is canceled plans. You know that feeling, where suddenly you got your freedom and your life back. Friends, that feeling, that feeling is the work of Jesus Christ for you. Not just in that moment. But that's actually what the work of Jesus Christ in some sense is. This obligation that you once had to do in order to be is canceled. This pressure that you've placed on yourself and others have placed on you to perform in order to be enough, to accomplish in order to be worthy, all of those plans are canceled in Jesus Christ you do not have to do in order to be. That's all done because of Jesus. You do not have to go to that thing in order to be a good person. You do not have to show up at that place in order to be worthy. You do not have to vacation like an influencer or party like a frat boy in order to make the most of your life. Jesus Christ has lived a life where he has met every meaningful obligation. And then he's given that life to you and you get to wear it as your own. And Jesus Christ has died a death that that pays the price for every shortcoming, every failure, every issue you've ever encountered. And so now there's forgiveness for you. And Jesus Christ has earned for you a meaningful existence. He's He's earned for you life to the fullest that does not end in the Father's family, and He's given that to you. So now, your life of fear, wondering if you're going to miss out or not measure up, your life of obligation, feeling like you got to do this and do this and do this in order to be enough, all of that is canceled in Jesus Christ. You, You do not have to do that anymore. Like pour a glass and do a dance, it's done. Your schedule in that regard is clear. Now, if that's true, now you can understand why Paul writes with such urgency to the New Testament believers, why he uses strong words, strong images like slavery with them, because they are a free people, like you are a free people, and yet they often choose, like you and I often choose, to re-obligate ourselves to put ourselves back under all the obligations of this world, trying to prove ourselves to be something that Jesus Christ has already declared us to be. And so what Paul is saying is when you re-obligate yourself and you burden your own life trying to earn things that are actually already given to you by Jesus Christ, you're not just busy, no. You're forsaking freedom and choosing slavery. That's who you are. But that, that's what he says right here. Look, look, look again at this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, he says, For freedom, brothers and sisters, for freedom Christ has, present tense, has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't submit yourself to it again. Don't re-obligate yourself to the point of self-destruction. Because you have been set free. And like I said, you know, the first thing that goes out the window when we choose to be slaves to all these obligations again and feel like we've got to, to do in order to be a certain kind of person, the first thing that goes out the window is the thing that you actually say matters the most to you. The first thing that goes out the window is love. First thing. First thing. Because love requires two things that busy people can't provide. Love love requires a slowness and and an attention to the other person that a busy schedule simply will not allow for. And and true love, real love, it it requires you to be focused on the needs of the other person and to not merely use this other person and the things you're doing for them as a prop for your own ego which very often is what's happening. In order to really love somebody well, you have to spend unhurried time, you have to give unhurried attention to the needs and the wants of the other person. And when your life is full of all these things I have to do and I wanna do, you you can't do that, you can't provide that. You've already made your whole life all about you and you have no space to actually engage with the people that you say that you're loving. Look, I know that we, we say to ourselves that the reason we're driving our kids all around town that, and the fact that they've got busier schedules than most 45-year-olds is because we say that we love them. And, and I know that the reason that... that that we take on extra hours at work and we try to climb up rung after rung after rung is because we say that we want to provide better for our family, provide more for our family. We say that we we love, it's because we love them. And I know that the reason that you volunteer more and more at the school that your kids go to is because you say you love the Lord and you want to honor him. And I believe that that's a part of it for us. But but I don't think it's the biggest part of it. I, I think the biggest reason we do that is not for the people we claim that we're loving. The biggest reason we do all of that is not for them, it's for us. And I'm as guilty of this as anybody else, but it's it's for us. That, that rhythm that you've set, how, how's it working for you in terms of actually like qualitatively like, like engaging with the people that you say that you're loving in all that activity? I mean, really. And how centered on their needs is it versus just our own egos? I know. So I think part of the opportunity for us as we, as we refocus ourselves and we say, all right, I'm actually a free person. I don't have to live under all this obligation. I don't have to live under all of this. What we, what, what we need to do is lay hold of that freedom and, and take an assessment in the name of freedom of all of our pursuits and exercise that freedom and, and prune some of them. And say no to some things so we can say yes to better things, like, like, more, like, like more, more of a loving experience between the people that we say matter most. So I would encourage you to, to join me in reflecting on four areas of your life. The first area that I would encourage you to look at is to take a look at your child's commitments. Take a look at your child's commitments. And I know this is a tough one for those of us who have family because, again, we, we think that we're, we're just motivated by so much love. But, but let, me, let me ask you this. If your kid does, in fact, end up playing Division I sports and, and, and your daughter ends up getting into the school of her choice, but you fail to pass on the faith because you were never ever in church because you were always a part of a travel league and you never also had time for prayers around the dinner table as a family... Or if as they grow, you don't feel like you've got the kind of relationship where you can have substantive conversations with them because you never had the relationship growing up where you had substantive conversations because your relationship wasn't much of a relationship. You weren't actually relating to them, you were waiting for them, waiting for them to finish practice, waiting for them to wrap up with the tutor, waiting for them to brush their teeth so you can get them to bed. If that's where you end up, even if they hit other goals, if that's where they end up with no faith and no substantive relationship with you, is, is it, I mean, honestly, is it worth it? And you know the answer. The second thing we have to look at is our professional pursuits. And I'm a person who likes to keep score and crush goals as much as the next person. I, I am. But, but, I, but I have to look at this even as a pastor. I have to look at this just like you do. If... If not adding initials after your name and staying put at a certain rung on the the corporate ladder means saving your marriage and having a functional faith, then what choice do you have? The third thing we have to look at is our digital distractions. You and I are, are, are over committed and over pursuing in a whole lot of digital ways. If you're like me, you've got three series, three TV series that you're working on, 14 podcasts, and two audiobooks. The average American is going to spend 3,400 hours, 3,400 hours this year staring at their device. 3,400 hours. What if we took half of that? Forget half. What if we took a third of that? What if we took a fifth? 20%. What if we took 20% of that and we just stopped and we focused in some way, shape, or form on like these relationships and this relationship? What if, what if rather than scrolling your phone for 20 minutes every single morning, you like, you, you listened to the scriptures for 20 minutes a day? What if, what if rather than, than getting through seasons five and six of Gilmore Girls, you like, you played Lego with your eight-year-old for just a little bit? Like, what if that happened? I think it'd probably be better... And then and some of you are gonna be mad at me for this one, send the emails. My email address is pastor at secondbaptist.org. <laughs> we we have to look at our unhelpful hobbies. And I know you're thinking, but Matt, my hobby is the thing that keeps me sane in all of my commitments. And, and maybe, maybe you wouldn't have to be kept sane in such unhelpful ways if you cold your commitments. But some of us, and I know the intentions are good, but, but some of us, you, like two or three nights a week, we'll go drinking with friends after work. Or like every single weekend, we'll go and play golf for four hours while our wife is home with the kids. Or or every weekend we'll go shopping and we'll spend a bunch of money that could be used in better ways. Or or we'll spend every night for an hour and a half, like playing video games. And like I get that some of that stuff is really important to you, but if it's if it's keeping you from being present with the people and in the places that matter most, like we, we have to take. A look at it. And, and my, my encouragement to you is to not feel all of a sudden deeply like convicted, like, oh, I'm a terrible person, look at my life. No, th- that's the opposite of freedom. You are free in Jesus Christ. And you know what you get to do? What you get to do is you get to look at these four areas of your life and you get to say this, I will not, I will not be driven by fear when it comes to my kids, my work, my time on my phone, or, or how I spend my, my, my hobbies. I, I will not be driven by fear. I also, I don't have to do in order to be enough. So I have the ability to say no here. And I am free in Christ. I am free in Christ to call my commitments, to, to prune my pursuits. Take that attitude into this. You know, we started this conversation a month ago by By just trying to take Jesus' invitation seriously, where Jesus says to his believers, to his followers, he says, my yoke, my burden is, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What we wanted to do is, is take him seriously when he says that we can have more of the things that actually matter eternally if we're willing to let go of the things that don't. We, we want to take him at his word when he says that there is rest to be found when you focus less on what you need to accomplish and more on what's already finished in him and you let that trickle down into everything else that you do. Like, we want to take Jesus at his word and experience a richer, fuller, albeit simpler life. That's what I'm wrestling with. That's what I want. Look, like, I, I don't think, if, if you're here as a follower of Jesus Christ, I. I I don't think your faith is at risk if you just push away Jesus' invitation to, to a more focused, simpler existence. Your, your faith is not at risk. This is not a salvation thing. If your faith is in Christ, you're baptized into his family, you're secure in Christ. I, I don't think what, what's at stake for followers of Jesus is their faith. But what I think it's at stake is this, and this is what John Ortberg once wrote. He said this. He said, what's at stake for followers of Jesus is not that they would lose their faith, but that they would be so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we settle for a mediocre version of it, that we will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. I don't think there's a single person in here who would say that their that their money, their possessions, their clothing, their schedule gives them life. But can you see how all those things can be pulling you from it? Me too. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, this this call to simplicity is... Is clear, but it is difficult for us to, um, it's difficult for us to hear and it's even harder for us to employ, it seems. But Father, h- help us to not begin with, with, with our hands. Help us to begin with our hearts, just, just to, to let the message of, of who Jesus is and what he's done continue to dwell deeply in our hearts, knowing that the biggest battles have been fought and won, that the greatest gifts have been procured, that our status is set, our our, our worth has been considered and already been settled. That we are enough, that we are loved, that we are forgiven. Let let, let that settle into our hearts and let that continue to mold and shape the things that we do and and, and certainly the, the, the schedules that we keep and the obligations that we welcome. Father, we want to live our lives having spent ourselves, for sure. But we want it to be on right things, not just good things. Father, help us to to do a little less in order to experience more of what you say matters, which which is loving the people around us. Help us to discern what it looks like to exercise our freedom toward that end. In Jesus' name, amen.